business and come play. I agree, and begin the complicated and tender process of standing up straight again. It's time for their customary frisbee session, a conveniently rehabilitatory calisthenic for me as well, stretching out the knots of fatigue. I fetched the plastic discs and began spinning them out in the fluky air, trying to make them hover, tantalizingly, at the limits of the dog's range. The object of the game is to make the dogs use all their sprinting speed, then finish with a dramatic leap and catch, the dogish equivalent of a slam dunk. They demand a good quarter hour of hard work minimum. It does me daily good, too, just to watch. I relish and envy their eager athletics in the afternoon light. Then that light is abruptly splintered as, out of nowhere... A miniature snow squall began sprinkling dollar-sized flakes over our hillside pocket of unseasonable warmth. The low sun shines sharply underneath the squall cloud, backlighting the giant flakes so I can barely see through them. The dogs, overheated in winter coats, seize this moment to streak for the pond and wade cheerfully in to cool their bellies. A week ago the water was solid ice, New England springtime. I sit on the wall, sweating lightly, squinting through the piebald air. The dogs loll in the pond, snapping at the descending flakes, silver spray flying as they splash. Snow continues to fall. The stone wall is a project that has kept me squirming all winter. We live in western Massachusetts, on what was once a working farm, but now is only fields and woodlot, a nice piece of land with a house on it. The old farmhouse fell into disrepair twenty years ago, so the previous owner bulldozed it and built a sound, if unexceptional, new one on the site. There are fine old maples and fruit trees around the house, but it sits on a side-hill knoll, the land rolling off into open fields on three sides. It's a little stark. There isn't enough demarcation. What the place really needs is a stone wall here and there to organize the open space. The fields are empty, but the nearby woods, parceled and reparceled among succeeding waves of landowners, are threaded through with traditional New England stone fences, abandoned now and falling down, all uselessly in the wrong place, the closest of them 400 yards from the house. We speculated about the frightful cost of having a wall moved. It would be an exhausting business, almost a parody of human effort. Tear down the old wall, haul it to the new site, stack it back up again stone by stone. Stone is another word for total. Stone broke, stone cold, stone deaf. Moving a wall would be stone work, hyperwork work, mindless, brutalizing toil. Who would hire out for a task like that? The world doesn't lack for nasty jobs, scrubbing floors, chipping paint, mucking stables. As a kid I lived in the southwest, and particularly detested working on windmills and stringing barbed wire fence. Moving a stone wall, though, struck me as a symbolically awful job awful in some perfect way, and that spoke immediately to the contrarian in me. 
I had to try it. I owned a small tractor. I'd get a wagon to pull behind it, haul the rocks out of the woods myself. I'd find some old-timer to teach me the basics of building stone walls, then proceed on my own. I'd get inside the elemental task, examine it, master it. I'd take my time at it, take years if necessary. A novel approach for a constitutionally frenetic me. Such a gradual approach, I proposed, would move it out of the realm of drudgery. It would get me outdoors, give me some fine exercise, make a regular break in my sedentary day. Perfect, I said confidently, still sitting on my duff. The fantasy recalled a wonderful summer day years ago, on a branch of the Amanusic River in New Hampshire. I was skinny-dipping, following local custom. A similarly naked stranger began building...